Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Amen. Before you sit down, give somebody a hug next to you. Tell them you look good tonight. You look real good. Good, good, good. Awesome, awesome. Have a seat. Standing room only. I love it. Um, welcome home if you're here today. Uh, we call this Formation Fridays. Um, it is not a church service, although it looks like it, sounds like it, feels like it. Uh, but it really has nothing to do uh, with just going to church. If you're here because you're going to go to church, um, then I suggest you um, reconsider why you're here tonight. If you're here, it's because you want God to do something great in you, to transform you, to make you into the man or the woman that God wants you to be. And that is the key that God actually wants you to be. We uh, will not form you in this place according to a religion, according to a... I'm going to turn the fans off. Sorry. Is that cool? Thank you, Louis. I beat you to it. Uh, can you turn that one off? Is that cool? All right. Thanks. Um, the white noise just puts me to sleep. It's just... There you go. Thank you, guys. You guys going to be okay? It's not too hot, right? It's perfect. All right, good, good. So, um, where was I? Formation, yeah. We don't form anybody according to a religion or according to a culture, or according to a, a, my liking or, or uh, you know, or to anything, anything that, that I don't know, to a, a denomination. If you even know what that is, it's okay. If you don't, it's according to Christ. It really is formation according to the character of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you don't want this kind of formation. Am I making sense? A lot of people talk about, you know, well, what's a standard? You know, is it really, is it really truth? Is, there, is it relative? Is there absolute truth? And absolutely, there's absolute truth, and that is Jesus. And our life and our, and our story uh, is, 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 it has to be, not according to what we feel is best, what our government or our family wants for us. What does Jesus want for you? I met a guy one day that his mind was really jacked up. You know, he grew up in violence and uh, a lot of crazy things. He saw a lot of things from the time he was little. And he said, it's just who I am. And I asked him, who formed you into that? Who determined who you'd be? And he couldn't understand what I was asking him. So I asked him, were you always like this? Yeah. I said, no, you weren't. You were not always like this. You were born into a situation. You lived a certain lifestyle. People around you lived a certain way, but you were formed into this person. Look, who formed you and why and according to who are you living? It is the truth. If you ask yourself, according to who am I living, you'll be really confronted by my parents, by my skin tone, by my language, by my education. Because I'm white or black or... or, or I don't know, Latino, or you know, or I'm Asian, or I'm a quarter Asian like Louis. You know what I mean? Like, who determines what you're gonna be like? I'm not talking against any, you know, identity, you know, uh, at all. I'm, I'm, what I'm asking you is, who is your true identity? Who are you trying to be like? What is acceptable, and what is the standard? See, today it is it is gonna be so important that you understand this because I believe that the enemy is not just this demonic force that moves around everywhere we have three enemies according to the scripture right the first enemy is of course you know him his name is the devil right he used to be lucifer and that's the devil we're just gonna say the enemy 
right? Because if you're new and we keep talking about the devil, you're going to freak out. Uh, he could do whatever he wants in your life, but the moment we mention him, you start freaking out. Is that true or not? Okay, so first one's the enemy. The second one is the world. And we understand that according to the scripture, the world is not something that we are to love. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen? So you guys ever seen the sticker that says N-O-W, now? Right? Not of this world. It doesn't mean like now, bro. It means like get, right? It means not of this world. What that means is a part of the scripture. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The third enemy, which I believe is the absolute hardest one and the toughest one on you and on me as well, is the flesh. And that is ourselves. And that's a dog that doesn't bark. It just bites. You know what I'm saying? So it's the, 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 the enemy, right? The world and the flesh. Today, I'm going to address just two of these enemies. Today, I'm going to share with you what I believe is the rema for our encounter coming up. But not only for that, but also for the freedom and the deliverance that God will bring about your life, my life, our life in this next season. Amen? We've been uh, very, very intentional about everything that we teach. And today, I believe God has a treat for us. If you guys are ready, yeah? Cool. I'm only going to cover two of the points. that I'm. Gonna, uh, it's four points. I'm only going to cover two of them. The other two, I will cover them on Sunday, okay? And uh, that's because I don't have enough time to develop it. I don't want to have to rush through it. Um, if I can't get through them on Sunday, I'll go back to it on, on, on the next Friday. Why do I tell you this? Because this is something that I could spend literally years just diving into it, receiving from it. And I believe that God has something so much charged for you today that if you're not on it, if you're not here, you're going to miss a whole lot. So pray with me that God would give you the clarity of mind, the, the ability to stay with it, to receive it. Some people could be sitting right next to you and they're not here. They're not here. They're like, where am I? You know what I mean? Like they're not here. So I invite you to just come here. You know, have a seat, take your time, relax and say, okay, God, form me into your image. Amen? Close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your love, for your grace. Thank you because I know that every person that is here, you brought them for a purpose. God, I ask you right now that you would thwart the plans of the enemy, God. That whatever he has reserved against the people that are in this place would be completely destroyed. God, that your plans would overcome his plans, God. That you would help us to know you, to understand you, to be more like you, God. Not just to like you, but to become like you. God, I pray right now that this church here, this ministry, Lord, would reflect your character. God, I pray for anyone here who has been enslaved or has been captive to sin or, or to guilt or to shame. God, there's anybody here that has been oppressed, depressed. Anybody here, God, that the enemy has been working on and the enemy has its arms around. I pray right now, Lord, that you would show them, reveal to them the strategies that they can break through, through your power and through your love. Holy Spirit, we love you. Welcome. Move freely. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, cool, cool. So give God a round of applause. Why not? All right. So Exodus chapter 3. Actually, you know, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 8 because I'm going to tell you the story really quick of what happens on Exodus all the way to chapter 8. The people get enslaved for 400 years. These are the people of God, the people of Israel. These are people that love God and then they don't love him. They love him, then they don't love him. They go through this cycle. They finally end up in this place. Listen, it's a crazy place because Egypt has everything to offer. They ended up in Egypt... Not by, by sin. They ended up in Egypt because God was doing something great through the patriarchs. Right? Joseph. Anyway, I want to tell you everything that happened there. All you need to know for today is that Egypt seemed amazing at first. Egypt was the spot. It was a place to be. It was the greatest job you can have. It was the marriage that you wanted. It was a friendship that you actually, you know, at first it was beautiful. It was the school that you liked in the beginning. Everything was great. But something happened along the way that Egypt sw switched leaderships. 
Meaning, Egypt was no longer controlled by the same leader. 400 years have passed now, and someone else rises. This someone else forgets, listen to this, what God had done through Joseph 400 years ago. Joseph, an Israelite, had been used by God. Okay, listen to this. Had been used by God to save the entire nation. But this guy that came up way later had no idea of what God had done through these people. These people and Joseph and his family had brought so much blessing into the land that this actually survived because of the love of God through this man. Listen to this. The enemy now rose. And the enemy, who was the one that was blessed in the beginning, now became the oppressor of the people of Israel. Listen to what I'm telling you. This, I'm condensing it because it's chapters and chapters. What we need to know is this. These people are now enslaved for 400 years. They're not treated like friends. They're not treated like the people that bless them. They're mistreated. They're abused. They have to work hard to see nothing, no fruit, right? They don't have decision power. They have some things. They themselves later would come to miss those things. But they did not have the most important thing, which is a deep and intimate relationship with God. Number one. Number two, the freedom the freedom to live for God. The freedom to worship God. Why are we in the United States of America? Anybody want to know? Anybody knows? Why are you here? Why are we here? Why did people come here? Freedom for what? Freedom to worship God. I don't know if you know this, but the people that came here didn't come looking for treasures. I know that what a history books might. Actually, they don't even say that. The truth is that people came to this land the same reason why, the, why God pulled the people out of Egypt. I need you to get something. Because Egypt always represents the world. Whether it is in the Middle East or whether it's in South America or North America. It doesn't matter where it is. Listen. The world will always seem beautiful at first. It will be amazing at first. But then it will get so good that it will enslave you. It always happens the same way. It begins as a beautiful relationship. But then I can't live without it. That's called slavery. That's called dependency, a codependency. Oh my God, you know, you got a great job. And all of a sudden you live for the job. You're no longer blessed by it. Now it became your oppressor. That's exactly what happens in so many people's lives. They have children. They love their children. Then their children become their lives. And now it's called an idol. It's idolatry. Now, that got a little hard on parents, but it's a fact. It's the truth. Your dreams, oh man, God gives you abilities. Maybe you've you got great musical talent. And it begins as something beautiful that God uses for his glory. And all of a sudden, it becomes your God. And it's about you and becoming, say my name, say my name. And it's no longer a blessing now. What was in the beginning a blessing, I might have fed your family. Now it became the greatest curse in your life. See, because Egypt is still Egypt. Egypt changes over time. No, Egypt is the same. It just changes its, 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 its shell, its veneer. When people came from all the way across the sea to this land, they came looking for the freedom to worship God. That's the fact. They came here for religious freedom. And they weren't just, you know, a Muslim nation. They were people of Christian background. The Judeo-Christian beliefs, they came here... Because they wanted to worship God freely, not the way that the queen and the king and the way people back then were telling them to worship. I'm not making sense. They were looking for freedom to have encounters daily with the Lord. That's the fact of our nation. That's why it began to be blessed from the very beginning. Now, because I'm not here to teach you a history lesson, the fact is that it still happens the same in our lives. Listen, the enemy is still the enemy. The world is still the world and the flesh is still here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to unmask a little bit of the strategies of the enemy and how the enemy tries to keep you oppressed 
And so that you don't have complete and full freedom in God. Am I making sense? So this is going to be so key that if you understand it and you could see it happen in your life, you're going to be able to destroy it, overcome it. Right? I, I, I believe that you can never truly fight your enemy unless you know what he looks like. Right? How could you fight something you don't even know it's there? How could you attack? I remember when I used to uh, struggle a lot with my faith. You know, I was in college. I read a bunch of books. I'd gone to church for a long time. And I had stupid questions. I mean stupid because, not because the question itself is dumb, just because the one that was asking it was acting stupid. Like, for example, I wasn't really seeking God, but I wanted God to show, me, to show himself to me. So it's come on like, you reveal yourself to me, and then I was partying. It's like, really? Like, I'm gonna, you're telling me that I'm going to do everything you want me to do, but you don't want to be near me. There's a lot of dumb questions that are asked, not because the question itself is dumb. It's just the way it's coming from, right? So that was me. And check this out. I remember I was so wrapped up into, you know, all these books that I was reading and trying to come up with why I should believe in God. Until I came across something that really just changed my life, and this is called the Bible. And I stopped reading every other book. I went to Colombia. I lived there in a small room. And the people that I lived with said, you're not going to read any books. I brought a suitcase just with books. I said, you can't stop me from learning. I'll say, oh, really? Well, you can't live in this house then. And I was like, how welcoming are you Colombians? And they said, no, no, there's one book we read in this house called the scriptures. And I was like, okay. And so they put all my suitcase away with all my books. And all I read was the word of God for I don't know how long. And it was amazing how God began to reveal himself. Let me tell you one thing. I used to know the spiritual world. But when the world started attacking and really cluttering my heart and my mind, the spiritual world wasn't real anymore. It became this fable. And the enemy was so content in leading me to believe that. I remember living in Africa for a little bit. And I was there and I was like, why do all the big miracles happen in Africa? You guys ever thought about that? Like, why do, like, people grow legs in Africa? You know, or, like, people demon-possessed, like, show, like, it's crazy. I would show you guys videos. People, like, healing literally in front of you. Literally, like, right there. God manifesting his power. And I'm like, why? When I was there, I remember going to townships, and you could just feel the spiritual presence there, like the oppression. And then it was like direct battles. It was intense. It was 4 in the morning one time, chills up my, down my spine. I woke up because of the sheer fear around us. It was this intense spiritual battle. And I asked the people there, the missionaries, said, why is it that in the U.S. we don't experience that? Oh, he said, oh, because the enemy's first strategy is working. Why should he switch it? And I was like, crap. You know what that strategy is? And we think materialism is buying, you know, uh, Prada or, you know, that's the only brand that came to my mind because of the movie. But you know what I mean? Like buying name brands or spending money, that's not materialism. Materialism means if I don't see it, I don't believe it. That's materialism. It means I live only by the material. And so the enemy knows that as long as that works, he doesn't have to do anything else. I would pray prayers like, I don't care, let it be a demon to scratch my face. Even if it's true, I just want to know that this, all, this, all this thing is true. You know what? When I removed some things in my life, other things became so clear, so apparent. I remember when the spiritual world became so real. And if you know me, you know I don't see demons everywhere. I'm not trying to like act all crazy and foolish. Am I telling you, what I am telling you is this, is that if the enemy has a strategy against you, he's going to keep, and he keeps working, he's not going to switch it up ever again. He's going to just keep using it. If it's anger for you, don't worry about it. You won't see demons. It's just going to be operating in you all the time. Does that make sense? Hey, if it's sadness, he's not going to come and attack you with something else. Because sadness is already working. If it's pornography, men, listen, or women too. You know, if it's working on you and that, and if that's your, your, your you know, the, the thing that you succumb to, that's the thing that you're enslaved by, then the enemy won't switch it up. 
Why? Because it's working. I had a coach that used to, in football, all he did was run up the middle. And he's like, it works, it works. Three yards at a time, three yards at a time. You know, we have four plays. Three yards at a time, that's 12 yards. For those of you that know, that's a first down every time. He's like, if it works, why switch it? I was like, well, because it's not fun, because it hurts. But it works, but it works. Let me ask you this. Is the enemy doing the same thing? I mean, just little by little. So this is how you unveil the strategy of the enemy. So that he can at least know that you're fighting back. Is that okay? Today's story is one that is a little too close to home in some ways. You'll know why really soon. But the first thing that the enemy did with the people of Israel as to hold them in slavery. As to keep them close. Satan's desire is to make you a slave. For so many people, so many people are enslaved by the enemy. And they don't even know it. They don't even see it. But once they realize it and they know that there's freedom out there, then the battle really begins when people give their life to Jesus. They say, well, it got harder. It's supposed to get harder. It's going to be a battle. So long as you're with them, nothing's going to happen. When you start fighting towards the kingdom of God and towards his purpose, then all of a sudden you're engaged in battle. See, my wife and I, we never argue unless we disagree. Everything's great so long as she does what I want. Everything's great as long as I do what she wants. But all of a sudden we have our own opinion. Now you start having conflict. You know that, right? Same thing happens. So long as you agree with the devil and everything that he wants, you won't have conflict in your life. So if you're comfortable in your Christianity, that's what's happening. Right? You're not moving forward. You're not advancing. You're just there holding hands with the enemy. And that's fine if that's all you want out of life. But I want generations of God raised for his name's sake. My children and my children's children and children's children's children and your children's children to love and know God and know freedom and to understand what real peace and joy is about. So what am I saying today is this, that the enemy still works the same way. Back then, he enslaved the people with so many strategies. I will only talk to you about two. The first one is this. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 8 verse 24. Then the Lord did so. And there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and the house of his servants. And the land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies in all the land of Egypt. You guys have heard of the ten plagues, right? Yeah, ten plagues of Egypt. If not, rent the movie, uh, uh, what is it called? The Ten Commandments. It's going to be awesome. You'll see them. But anyway, but this is just, you know, uh, part of that. But uh, Pharaoh will not let the people of God go. Pharaoh represents the devil. Egypt represents the world, and the people represent the flesh. Or the flesh, you'll know it. We won't talk about it until later. Listen to this. Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let the people go. So God sends him a plague. He says, really, you're going to try to fight me to keep my children in slavery too long. And so God sends him this plague. It's amazing. Verse 25 now. This is where it gets crazy. Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, go, sacrifice your God within the land. But Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination. I will not sacrifice what is an abomination to Egyptians. Meaning, if we start sacrificing in front of you guys, your people are going to go crazy. They're going to be like, what are you guys doing? And they're going to hate us and we're going to hate them. So we're not going to do it here, number one. Number two reason, if we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before the ice, we will not then Will they not stone us? Verse 27, we must go three days' journey. Sounds like an encounter to somebody here. Woo-hoo. Into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God 
as he commands us. So number one thing, God commands separation from the world. God commands not that you do as the world does, but as he does. You're not to be a thermometer, you're to be a thermostat. We're not the world. Just for a second, please understand this. You don't have to be like the world. You don't even have to be liked by the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Now, I don't want to sound weird. I don't want to make you guys drink some Kool-Aid. <laughs> Am I making sense? But you're not of this world. If you were of this world, let me tell you, this is, that's it for you. That's all you have. This is where you began. This is where you'll end. The Bible talks about you being an eternal being, that you have a future and a hope. I love what Mikey just preached. It's a fact of investment towards the kingdom of God and towards the future in Christ. Listen, please, don't lose this piece. Don't lose this. Pharaoh tells him, you may worship God. First offer from the enemy. I say this is the message, the title. I don't know if you guys could put the first slide. But I love a specific website. It's called OfferUp. It's where, um, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. I don't know if you, any guys don't know what OfferUp is? Okay, good. Whew. Okay, good, good, good. All right, so OfferUp, as you guys already know, is this amazing website where you can sell anything and buy anything and you could just haggle. Like, I remember, what's the last purchase I did? Okay, I got some tires. I was going to buy some tires for my car and I needed two tires and I went to Walmart. I was like 350 bucks for two tires because they're like low profile. And so I went on OfferUp and this guy was sold me four tires with original rims from the BMW, right, BMW rims for 200 bucks. I was like, hey, that's a deal. So I'm going to sell the rims. I'm going to make my money back. And then that's it. I get free tires. Now, I know you guys are thinking, wow, what a great pastor I have. <laughs> right? But it really is amazing. OfferUp has amazing offers. So I, I looked up a bunch of dumb things that are in OfferUp. And I don't have time to tell you. But just at some point, you should do it. It's ridiculous, the things that are out there. Like time with my grandma kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like anyway, so OfferUp is, is this amazing website. And I love, love, love this site. For one simple reason. Because you can haggle. Because you can do what my mom taught me to do. You see, we're in the Tijuana line. Somebody's trying to sell her, like, you know, uh, like a little, little, uh, uh, what, do you, what do you know, no, the thing where you cook? You cook things on it? Like a pot. It just sounds weird. Pot Tijuana. No. Uh, like a jar. You know what I mean? And so they'll sell her for 30 bucks. I'm not playing with you. I end up giving the guy or the girl, whoever's selling, like a little extra on the side after. Because my mom hoggled them so much that I feel bad for the Tijuana line people. I'm like, come on, mom, really? Like $3 for what's 30 bucks? Cut them a break. And my mom just gets a kick out of this. She's got the 30 bucks in her pocket. She just knows that she's going to get the best. It's just my mama, all right? Anyway, so I got the same genetic composition in my being. And so I always haggle. And so offer was made for me. That's why I don't go to Nordstrom. That's my wife's scenario, right? Right? And I'm telling you, this is cool. I try to haggle in Nordstrom. So, what? But it's got a dent on it. You just put it there. I'm just kidding. No, no. You know, but I, I, love, I love it because here is where I see all this, you know, get the best deal. Sometimes you don't get the best deal. I got to give you that. But this is Satan's offer up. This is where Satan haggles. This is where Satan begins to say, fine, you may worship God, but. And this is the butts of Satan. We should name it Satan's butts, right? But this is the, the thing that Satan says, fine, you're going to worship God, you're going to go to church, you're going you're gonna to be a child of God, fine. Fine, I can't stop you. Because why? Because God is on your side. I can't stop you. But here's the four things I'm going to do to make sure you don't get everything God has for you. If you're not going to serve me, at least you're going to serve him my way. Man, you just heard what I, listen, the enemy will do something 
Listen, just because you gave your life to Christ, it doesn't mean that the enemy is happy. Right? To the contrary, it says, okay, he, you took God. You took from me what I took from you. Now I'm going to make sure it gets messed up before it gets to you. I had, I had, I had a friend, man. He was a, a crazy, like, thug. And, and I remember we go to stores. For some reason, he just smashed things. I'm like, why are you doing that, bro? He's like, because I could. I was like, what's wrong with you? He was like, why? It's, a, it's like a tomato. You just smash a tomato for no reason. Why? Because I could. And I was like, why am I hanging out with you? I can't, I could not hang out with you, you know? And I could see the enemy with that same mindset. Why are you doing this to these people? Because I could. Like he's just really saying, you want it? I can't have it. So no one else can have it. If, he, if he's not going to be with me, then he'll be unhappy all the way through to you. Because that's what the enemy wants. Sure, you got salvation when you give your life to Jesus Christ. The question is this. Are you in slavery still? Maybe you're out of physically out of Egypt, so to speak. But maybe in your heart, there's still a lot of Egypt. In your mind, in your lifestyle. The reason I told you this too close to home, because this was the first transition for me. When I first gave my life to Jesus was when I was like seven or seven years old. I was really young. I was baptized in the Spirit of God. I didn't know what was going on. It was with Marco Barrientos Church. I remember, I, listen, I spoke in tongues and I didn't speak in tongues until I was like 24 years old later. Let me tell you, or 20-something, like my encounter. is crazy. Let me tell you why. Because people said, what the heck? That's not, that's not right. That's not real. And I went to this Baptist church where they said, no, no, that's just odd and strange. And I put it on my mind. And so one day when God revealed to me, man, when you were young, this is the experience you had with me. Why am I telling you this? Because I know that all my life, listen, I lived in slavery as a child of God. And that's weird. Because what the sun sets free, it's free indeed. But I did not live in freedom. I lived in religion. I went to church. My mama took me to church. I even led Bible studies. You see, I did missions. I read the entire Bible when I was a junior in high school. All of it after coming home from every night going to clubs. Oh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Why am I telling you this? Because I lived in slavery. I don't know where you stand, and I don't know where you are right now in your life with Jesus. Maybe you're here, and you're on your phone, but not taking notes. Maybe you're here, but you're in Egypt. Maybe you're here, but you're not here. You're still in Egypt. The world has such control of you, you don't have a clue what to do with your life. Because you're still in Egypt. The enemy says, fine, go to church. But when you're there, you're going to do it my way. That's what Satan says. That's what the enemy says. He said, fine, go worship God, but you're going to worship him here. And Pharaoh said, that's the way it's going to be done. Can you, can you understand that? That The enemy will say, okay, fine. I can't stop what God's doing in your life. I can't stop it. It's impossible. When a child of God says, yes, Lord, it's impossible. The enemy can't stop it. He can't unchild you anymore. To some extent, he can't, like, have you divorce God. But you know what he can do? He can have you forget about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the power of God. He says, you may go, you may worship God, but do it here. And this is what, I love what Moses said. This is awesome. Moses is a stud. He's cool, man. He really is. He says, nope, we're not going to do it like that. Number one, because you're going to hate us if we do it the right way. You should have that kind of mindset. You know what? The world may not like the way I do things, but I'm going to do it regardless. The world may not appreciate how I do it, but guess what? I'm still going to do it. 
It doesn't mean you're going to go be annoying and praying tongues in people's faces. Your teacher's asking you a question and says, you don't know your homework. I know something they're like, yeah, I'm never going to your church. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that, you know, you're late to work and tell people, that's because I did my devotional all morning. And your boss is like, yeah, get out of here. Am I making sense? It, it, that's not what I'm talking about. That, that's weird. That's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to be an example everywhere we are. Amen? Right? So we have to be, act with wisdom and with order. I understand that. I have a relationship with the Spirit of God. But I also understand the Spirit of God loves this world. And so why am I telling you this? This is what he says. Moses tells him. Um, give me one second. Actually, let me tell you what James says. You adulteress, you do not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You want to be a friend of the world? You want to say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to worship God, but I'm still going to live in the world. I'm still going to be the world, but I'm also going to do church on Fridays, church on Sundays, and church on Wednesdays. But the rest of my life, I'm still in Egypt. You see, my life is Egypt. I'm still in Egypt. I'm an Egyptian, but I'm going to just praise God so I could cool my conscience, so I could not feel so bad. And that's how I lived for the first stage of my Christianity, real Christianity. You know, I was never confronted with that until I was discipled. Let me repeat that to you. A Christian who's not discipled can live in Egypt all the way till he dies. And that's a sad thing because I see it all the time. I went to APU, a Christian university. You call it an extension of Egypt for so many. So many people that know the word of God. They've experienced God. Their parents pray over them. Their, their families, I'm telling you, they serve God. So many pastors, kids, missionary children. People that are here today, even you, as, as, as you hear my words, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you know you shouldn't live that way. But you live in Egypt. You're there. And the question is, why are you there? Why are you not truly out of that place? It's called consecration. What God was asking was not location, but consecration. He was saying, I want you to be set apart that your mind, your heart, who you are, thinks, feels, understands things differently. That your standard is no longer MTV. Your standard is no longer my friends, my family, my, my culture, my people, but God, and that's it. What does God say about abortion? Ah, well, let's find out. What is Argentina? I don't care what the right side or left side in Argentina is, what the media says. What does God say about that? See, that's called living out of Egypt. Well, what about sex? Well, what about sex? What does God say about it? Um, well, my mom. I don't care what your mama says. What does God say about it? I have a friend whose dad took him with prostitutes by the time he was 12 years old. 12 years old to make him a man. I don't care what your dad says. I don't care what your brother says. What does God say? That's living out of Egypt. See, I lived in Egypt. I was at the church and my mind still thought like an Egyptian. My heart, everything about me was still stuck in Egypt. Oh, sure, I would worship God like an Israelite, but I would live like an Egyptian. I would play the guitar like a child of, well, not really that good. But I would try to play the guitar like a child of God. Man, while the enemy was playing with my life like an Egyptian. Can I tell you this, seriously, how many of you in this place ever felt the guilt, the shame, the understanding that, man, I'm not supposed to live like this. Why am I living like this? It is because the enemy has made you the first offer and you have taken it. You thought it was a good enough deal. Yep, okay, fine. I'll, I'll do the church thing. I'll do the God thing, but, but, but here, okay? But, but as long as it's still, uh, 
appeasable to the world. As long as my friends approve me. As long as my, uh, my Instagram is not as hoochie as before, but it's still not worshiping God. That okay? Okay, right? Okay, fine. Well, let's take it to the man for just a second. Okay? I don't put any more like beer stuff on my Instagram anymore. Because that's, you know, my lead will get mad at me. But I always like the hoochies on the Instagram thing. Some of you guys are like, okay, pastor, I brought a new friend. Why are you doing this? She's a hoochie. Don't do that. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm telling you this. I'm, I, I can't see. The lights are on my face. So I'm, not single, I'm not singling you out. But what I am telling you is simple, man. We, we, we can't do this dance. We cannot do this dance. We, we can't. I mean... If, if, if we do that, we'll come very quickly to see that God doesn't play like that. Like, he doesn't. He's not, he's not a pretender. He's not going to act like, hey, everything's all right. The other day, Eoni and I, we had a disagreement. And I say disagreement, not a fight, because it's very different, right? I love the way God has grown our relationship. And it's cool because it's a God, I thought, Eoni, I don't agree with what you're saying. And she said, well, well, then what are we going to do? I said, well, I'm not going to pretend like I agree. So what are we going to do? She's like. And Elijah was sitting on the back seat. He's like, yeah, what are you going to do? I was like, you shut up. <laughs> it was so awesome, you know. And obviously it's amazing because we're, like I said, God has done so many, so many beautiful things in our lives. But if you know Eoni, she's strong-minded, so strong-willed. And I'm so kind and, you know, I'm very appeasable. And so I say yes, honey, to everything, you know. So anyway, we bump heads a lot sometimes. But it's not like I tell you. I'm telling you, I promise you, if you know us close enough, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's like, hey, I'm playing tonight with the boys. Uh-uh. Yes, I am. You want to join? <laughs> Listen, it's so cool because I was able to tell her, you know, love, if we, from years ago, in the beginning of our marriage, it took us about a day to get better. Now it takes us like literally two minutes and say, okay, fine. It's not that I agree, but I'm not going to pretend, but you're going to explain to me, and then maybe I'll give you the opportunity to agree with you. And so we had this thing going on, and we're like, man, isn't it amazing? It really, really is cool. It's so cool to be able to sit there and say, I'm not going to pretend, but let's come to an agreement. Let's figure this out together. Versus let's just pretend nothing ever happened. Or fine, I'll put up with it and then I'll get bottled up and I can't take it anymore. See, God doesn't do that. He's much wiser than that. He won't watch you live like the world and pretend like you're going to go just, you know, like everything's going to be awesome. By the way, can I tell you something? In all my research, all my reading, and I grew up a certain way and, you know, I was part of the American Baptist uh, board and all that stuff or the team that supposedly helps them decide stuff that's important. <laughs> can I tell you something? Listen, listen. When people ask me, can you lose salvation? I always tell them, why do you want to know? Because the conclusion that Eoni and I came to is like, let's live like we lose it. Believe that we don't. Let's live like we can lose it. But let's believe that we don't. That's the only thing we could agree because guess what? Her and I completely disagree on this until we came to an agreement. Why do people ask? If you have to ask, you probably have a plan B, which leads me to point number two, right? A lot of people are living in the world pretending to worship God. Strategy number one of the enemy says, let's church it up, but let's still be the same Egyptian. Task number two, second thing that, that Satan does, and he's a dog and he'll do it well. Listen to this. 27. We must go, when he talks about, by the way, Moses talks about encounter, which I'll talk about at the end, 28. Pharaoh said, 28, okay, I will let you go. This second offer, first offer was do it, but here. 
Third, second offer, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Meaning, go ahead, do your thing. Only you shall not go very far away. Or you can go, just don't go too far. You can be a child of God, just don't be too child of God. Or you can go to church, just don't get discipled. You know what? You can do the church thing, just don't make it too churchy. Man, I get enraged by this. Like it makes me mad because anyone who ever did anything great never did it part time. If an, if an idiot comes to you and tells you, hey, you're going to get rich. You just got to do it part time. Just smack them. Say, keep your money. Because it's not going to last you too long. Like, let me tell you this. You're going to do marriage amazing. You're going to build a child, a generation for God. Your family will love you. You'll love your children. Your children will look up to you. Just going to do it part time though, okay? How does that make any sense? Come on. How does that make any sense? You're going to be a great doctor if you do it part time. How many of you guys want a part time doctor to operate on you? Hey, I mean that. How many of you guys would want to, hey, you know, I'm going to have open heart surgery. What does he do? Well, um, he works construction, but he's also a doctor. That means he's really good with tools, you know. He's got to learn something both ways. I'll be like, yeah, I want a full-time doctor for this one, I think. Well, he's going to build your house. I think I want a full-time construction worker for this one. I don't want a doctor building my house. Maybe it'll be all right. Or maybe it'll fall apart. Am I making sense? Why makes you think your Christianity can be half hearted what makes us think that following God can be yeah but not that far matter of fact if it's not that far it's not really discipleship that far is what Jesus has a PhD on like that's his degree that far like so Jesus how far that far okay let's put it like this okay the Pharisees had all these rules Jesus said forget the rules die you want to follow me die Pick up your cross, follow me. If you really want to be my disciple, die. Go to the cross, die, follow me. Um, well, let's talk about tithing. 10%, Jesus said, no, 100%. Because his disciples would sell houses. They, they would sell everything and give everything. You guys complain. Like, uh, listen, listen. Jesus is always going to the next level. You say, well, how much, how long, how, much could I, how much should I forgive people? Two times, three times, seven times, seven times seven. Oh, man. You know what? The law says thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, okay, not only does shall not kill, you, don't, you can't even be mad at them. Because when you have hatred against somebody, it's already counted as murder in my eyes. I'm thinking, okay, that far. Okay, that's a lot. That's far a lot. That's far a lot. <laughs> Is that even a saying? That's a lot of far. How far? All the way. Say it with me. How far? All the way. How far? All the way. See, some things you'll never discover. The pearls of Christianity, the, the beauty of deep, intimate relationship with God until you go that far. How far? All the way. You will not discover. Look, hey, I've met people. That, hey, give God a shout of praise. Why not? I have met. Tomorrow I'm officiating a wedding, okay? And now tonight I'm going to try to discourage the groom from getting married. So cause that's what I, I'm going to do every time. Okay, those of you that are getting married officially by, by this church, you're going to be like, really, Pastor, with me too? Yep. Ray, Ryan, I'm going to try my very best. I'm going to bring pictures. Ask it. No, no, no. Anyway, uh, um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, listen, listen. What I understand is this. This guy's about to take a, a step, okay? Now, we did the premarital with them, all these things. They, this couple's been, you know, at the church, faithful. We got to get them connected with a cell group. But listen to this, okay? Listen. I have known people that live together for years, and they never discover the pearls of marriage. Never. It's just a signed document. It's not a signed document. It's a signed document that says, I give up everything else. Nothing else. No one else. 
No option, no plan B. This is my life. This is who I am now. I can't separate. It's, it's my life. Now, for some fools that sign it, they still have a plan B. They have a spiritual prenup, an emotional prenup. Let me tell you, this is awesome. I absolutely love this part. If I, if I can, I'm telling you this, if I can just get you and me to live this daily, it'll change everything. Everything. The intentionality, the intensity that your Christianity should be at. Man, you're more than a conqueror. So why are you not conquering sometimes? Why? I'm asking you. You have the Spirit of God. You have the Bible, the Word of God. You have the, the blood of Jesus. The most powerful atomic bomb that's ever been built. Do you know what I mean? It's the, it's the blood of the Lamb. That by which you've overcome Him. Whom Him? The enemy. Right? The testimony. Man, the confession of your lips. And, and I'm telling you this is beautiful. Why are you not conquering some things? Why? Why? This is why. Go sacrifice with your, but, but don't go too far. Don't go too far. Don't, 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 don't go so deep into that one. Okay, read the Bible, but just read it. Don't meditate on it. Don't dive into it. Yeah, sing the songs. Just don't let the songs affect your spirit. Because you might look foolish in front of some people. Hey, you know what? Go to church. That's fine. Just don't be the church. Because then, you know, it kind of gets weird here. Oh, sure. Give some offering just from the right pocket where you put the twos, the ones. Just don't give out of the things that you know you really desperately want. Why do I talk about this, guys? Because it's in my marriage that I see it over and over with my children. I cannot get the true satisfaction of having a godly family if I don't go in all the way. All the way. So many men live like guys. They're not men. They're guys. There's a difference. You know that? They're guys. Don't marry a guy. Marry a man. Women, there's a difference between a guy and a man. You'll know the difference very quickly. They don't know it's happening, but it's happening to them. They still think like guys. They're no men. They're, they're guys. They're still guys in their hearts. They play like guys. You know, they, 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 they do things like a guy. I'm not saying that when you get married, you immediately gain weight. But I'm sorry, but your looks is not your priority anymore. It's her looks. How does she look? Is she looking happy? Is she joyous? Is she still glowing even more? You're not thinking, how am I going to invest into me? You're thinking, how can I invest into this marriage? See, a man thinks very different. A man doesn't have certain luxuries, but he has certain privileges. Oh, man, it's so beautiful. If I can park here for a second, a genuine child of God will have some privileges that the average Christian won't have. Man, a disciple of Jesus will have amazing insight, beautiful understanding of things. But you know what? A lot of Christians don't understand it. They don't understand you. Why you go to church so much? I'm also a Christian. No, 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 bro. No. No, no, no. You and I are not the same. Let's not, let's not, let's not mix up here. Oh, isn't that kind of like, no, yeah, that's messed up, Pastor. It is. That you would say. That you're the same as the Apostle Paul, as those men. Look, I know I'm not at their level. I'm not going to pretend. But I'm also not going to pretend like I'm supposed to accept your status quo as my lifestyle. Am I making sense? So let me ask you this. I know pastors that don't live as radical as some of the 12 in this church. Why do I tell you this? Why do I tell you this? Because it's the truth. It's the truth. The enemy will tell you, sure, go worship God. Go out. Fine, go. Leave the world. Just don't go too deep into the presence of God. Okay, fine. You don't do drugs anymore. Fine, fine. But, but please, please, just don't get weird on me, okay? That's what the enemy will tell you. Get weird. 
I'm not saying like right here, right now. I'm saying go in your room, get all weird. Go ahead. I remember why I got called the cops on me three times for praying. Three times for praying. Listen, I'm not saying you should do that, but that's what I needed at the time. I needed the kind of thing that says I need to break out of what Baptist religious mindset I had. I'm not saying every Baptist is that way. But me, I had, in, I had been engulfed, walled by arguments in my mind. So many dumb arguments. Like glossolalia, that's tongue speaking. I'm like, what the heck? When did that term come about? Well, when I started studying about it, research. Research what? Research the presence of God. Go into the presence of God. All their dumb arguments will fall apart so quick when you spend time with a person you're studying. Let me repeat that again. All your arguments will fall apart so quick when you start spending time with the person you're studying. Quit studying the person and start actually living with them. Start investing time into the, God, the presence of God. I can't read the Bible. I know you can't read the Bible because you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. I won't tell you secrets. I'm sorry to tell you. I won't tell you secrets that are meant for my intimates. Intimate people, man, they know us. Don't pretend like you will know me if you're not willing to sacrifice by my side. See, that is how God thinks. Jesus told his disciples, I no longer call you my disciples. Now I call you friends. Now, to me, that's a whole nother level. Jesus had 12. Within his 12, there was three. Three intimate people that were always with him. The three that you hear of the most, one that would be by his side, one that would do all kinds of crazy things, but he would always be highlighted. His name is Peter, right? Why is it that there's these three intimate people within the circle of 12? Do you know why? Because they went that far. While the 12 stayed in the boat, the other guy said, oh, it's not far enough. Excuse me. Am I making sense? While the other one was like, no, no, what are you doing, crazy? Uh, not far enough. I'm going to get a little closer. Do you know what I'm saying? The Bible says that when Jesus got taken captive, right? All his 12 left. Everybody took, everybody took off. But there was one that would follow him naked. Naked. Like Elijah would say, naked. Right? He got stripped. Up. He literally had to take off because they were going to take him into prison. And he got ri his, they ripped off his clothes. And instead of going and getting clothes and, and, clothes and trying to be a, a decent human being, he followed God as close as he can, naked, trying to stay close to his master. He didn't want to just walk away like the rest of them. He said, I know. I know it's dangerous. I know it's crazy. But I cannot stay that far from Jesus. I need to be close. I need to find out what happens. There needs to be that kind of people here that said, hey, I know it may be dangerous for my dating. I know it may be dangerous even for my job. But I need to stay close to God. Amen. Don't mess with my time. Am I making sense with this? Sometimes you say, I've gone far enough. That's it, pastor. I have parents. Parents that don't even know the harm they do to their children. They don't understand yet. Back in the day, parents used to beg us to bring their kids to church. Please take my son to church. Now, it's like parents are begging. The kids are begging their parents to come to church. I'm like, what is happening? I'll tell you what's happening. We don't understand just yet that only when you go that far, you discover the pearls. I like scuba diving. And some things you cannot see at 30 feet. You have to go 60 plus. There's some things that you will only know and discover when you go a little bit deeper, a little more pressure, a little bit more. Stop pretending. Start pressing into the presence of God. If you prayed for only two minutes, pray three minutes. Pray five minutes. And when you get tired, say, because I'm tired, I'm going to pray five more minutes. And then you're falling asleep. Well, I'd rather fall asleep in the presence of God than stay till 4 in the morning playing games. Amen? Okay.
I think it's not enough. I think we need to go a little deeper into this one. So I'm going to. There's a, a, there's a part in there that um, just baffles me because he says, okay, just don't go that far. And, and I think the enemy wants to leave you the impression that you are free because then you won't be so intense about it. And so a lot of people feel that they may be free, but they're not walking into freedom. How do you know you're walking into the freedom, the true freedom of God? How do you know you're actually far enough? And I will tell you this. When you're far enough, it shows. People can tell. You can tell. The world can tell. People can say, something is different about you. You've been in the presence of God, haven't you? I don't want to make people feel bad here. But have you ever heard someone tell you, you look different. Something good about you. Raise your hand if that's you. All right. Without shame, go ahead. Wave it. Make other people feel bad. Do it. Good, great. If you haven't experienced that lately, which I think most of us can say, hey, I need more of that. People, number one thing, people can tell. People can tell. It's not that you're going to pretend. Sometimes you don't even, you don't do anything. People just say, hey, there's something about you. you it's like you have this thing, the karma, the aura, <laughs> this thing. <laughs> what do they call it? Uh, aura? Yeah, the aura. Yeah, like... Orale. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, yeah, this chi. And I'm thinking, it's not chi, it's the presence of God. So it, show, it should show. Number two, this is awesome. There is peace, complete peace in your heart. And I'm not talking about like peace, like I don't care. I'm talking about, Lord, I know the world may be falling apart, but I'm not. Like there's something about you and I walking together that gives me so much assurance. Number three, you're not thirsty for the world anymore because you've been quenched in the presence of God. Oh, this is going to be a good one. It's going to suck for some of you. If you're antsy, you're not in the presence of God enough. If you're, if you're in your day and you feel like, okay, what else? You're not in the presence of God. Okay. When my wife and I are not in communion, all the other hobbies come to my mind. But when her and I are fully engaged, I don't want to be anywhere else. And everything else, it's a plus. It's a bonus. Let me explain it now in your presence of God moments. When you're in the presence of God, other things don't need to satisfy you. They're a blessing. But when you're looking for satisfaction in anything else, you're not having enough of the presence of God. When you're antsy, when you feel like, oh, just one more show, there's something wrong with you. Lack of self-control. Because the other one has control of you, not you. The only way I know how to have self-control is letting him have it. It's the only way. Because I'm not strong enough for self-control. If you are, sign my Bible right after. I don't have enough to tell God I will die. I need the presence of God. I need the spirit of God. I told you this was too close to home. This is what I'm going to share with you. I used to always, always go back and backslide. And maybe I didn't backslide. I'd go and do drugs. But I would backslide and pretend like I wasn't supposed to live for God. I would backslide and I would do some things, just not bad enough to where I would feel so bad, but bad enough to where, you know, I'm still a child of God. You backslide and what a backslider does is this. He's in the presence of God. He loves God. He's worshiping God. And then something happens. That something happening is you becoming a moment atheist. Let me break it down. You feel and you think that God is not there for five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, or one night. You put off the presence of God. You tell him, let's go on a date. 
Just sit in the corner, be quiet. Here's the phone. Don't let people see you with me. Stay there for a long time. When I'm done having my fun, I'll come get you. We'll talk on the way home. Because that's the kind of thing we do sometimes. That's what I used to do with God. I knew the presence of God. I loved God sometimes. I wanted God. But I also wanted my own things, how I wanted them. And so I would put off God to the side. I would become a five-minute atheist. If any of you are here, five-minute atheist, today's a day to repent. Because there's a lot of shame in that. Man, there's so much pain in that. It is there where you won't like yourself. Because you know who you are, but then you'll know inside of you that there's a liar. And that liar lives inside of you. That's a thief that robs you from the greatest blessings. That liar that tells you, you hypocrite, the accuser, that one that you cannot say, you're stopping, you're lying because you know it's true. Because you know you listen to them sometimes. Can I tell you this? The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and they know it. But did you know there are other voices as well that speak? And sometimes those other voices shut up the voice of God in your life. And you tell them, be quiet. It's me speaking now. Going back to Egypt is the worst thing you could ever do. My heart hurts for a lot of people that go back to Egypt. Because they've seen the power of God, the beauty of God, the presence of God. And then they walk right back into Egypt. And they think the dance will last forever. But the song will end one day. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be caught on this side of the fence. Or maybe, just maybe, you lost an entire life in a stupid dance that should have never been played. Can I tell you, if you've been dancing back and forth, today's an amazing day for you. Because in this backsliding, there's shame, pain, anger, lack of faith. In that backsliding is where a lot of people that were children of God ended up serving the devil. A lot of people, people that were one day like the worship leaders, and all of a sudden now they're, you know, I don't need to say their names. Georgie, I'm going to ask you to help me out here. Um, I'm going to tell you a simple story. And I like reading. And sometimes I like articles, random articles out there that catch my heart. Um, oh, you're there. And so in 1519, by the way, this, I always, always do research behind that, the articles because I think it's important. And so in this one, there's controversy. But it is a fact that it happened. It's just the exact way it happened. We don't know how. The reason I tell you that is because you'll see. It's pretty cool. In 1519, this is the most accurate one I could find. The Spanish explorer and conquistador Hernán Cortés decided that he wanted to seize the treasure that the Aztecs had been hoarding. He took 500 soldiers and 100 sailors and landed his 11 ships on the shores of the Yucatán Peninsula. Despite the large army under his command, no, the Yucatan, yeah, yeah. Despite the large army under his command, he was still vastly outnumbered by a huge and powerful empire that had been around for 600 years. Some of his men were unconvinced of success. And being loyal to Cuba, they tried to seize some ships to escape and go back. Cortez got wind of the plot and captured the ringleaders, the deserters. He wanted to make sure that the remainder of his men were completely committed to his mission and conquest for riches. So he did something that seemed completely insane to his people. Cortez gave the order to sink 
his own ships. His men resisted, wondering how they would even get home. And his answer was, if we are going home, we're going home in their ships. The path forward was clear for Cortes. All or nothing. 100% commitment. The option of failure was gone. Conquer as heroes or die. The ships were sunk. Some said he burned the ships. He kept a single ship to send back the royal fifth. The king of Spain claimed 20% of all treasures. By doing this, the level of commitment the man was raised to an extreme level. Much higher than anyone could have imagined. Incredibly, they succeeded in this unlikely feat. In 600 years, no one else had been able to conquer the Aztecs and plunder the riches. They were able to do it simply because there was no choice, no fallback, no plan B. The ships were gone. The only alternative was death. And you think that he's the one that came up with this idea. What you don't know is that in 1446 BC, God did the exact same thing. He opened up the Red Sea for his people. They came up right to the edge. And God says, all the Red Sea was parted. They walked on dry land through the middle of it. Literally more than 2 million people. Some people estimate 3.5 million people walking through the, dead, through the Red Sea. Marching through with cattle, with children, with their kids, women, elderly people. Walking through these huge walls of water. Now listen. They walk through it. And I love my God because my God says, now you're entering into the future. You're entering into the thing that I promised you. Let's go to Cana, the promised land. And so they're walking about and they see the enemy coming behind. I love this part of the Bible, man. I was telling Elijah the other day and we were so amazed together. I think he was amazed, but I was more amazed than him. Because what God did is after they passed, they see the enemy behind. The, the walls just come crashing down on the enemy. And God says... Boom! Let's burn the ships. No going back. No return. 100%. Either you're in the desert or you're dead. Listen to what I'm telling you. God would have built the bridge if he wanted this wishy-washy, half-hearted kind of Christianity. He would have brought them ships because it would have been much easier than part the, the, the seas. Please listen. Be men. Be women of God. Who's calling you? Who's forming you? I mean it 100%. Who's forming your life? Who determines how far is too far? Is it your culture? Is it your friends? Because as far as I know, there's one faithful friend who died for you, who loves you so much, who is worth giving you advice. Who are you receiving from? Who's telling you? Because I decided one thing one day, and I could tell you this, I've made many mistakes, many, many, many mistakes in my life. And I believe I'll keep on making them. But there's one thing that I got right, and that is say, God, take my life. Take my life or take my life. Take my life or take my life. It's yours. I mean it. I don't want to live for me. I have dreams. I have hopes. And they're dead. Burn your ships. So long as you think there's an option, you'll never really fully conquer. In my life, I love my kids and I love my wife. But if God decides to take them, I'll still serve the Lord. I don't serve him because I get paid. I don't serve him because you like it. I don't serve him because I like it. I serve him because he's worthy to be served. God is the Lord. Give God a shout of praise. Why not?
Stand up with me for a second, please. And we're going to burn some ships right now. Is that okay? How do you burn ships? How do you say, God, okay, I've gone this far. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to be hurt anymore by my indecision. Oh, man, this is awesome. What God is doing right now, I can feel it in my spirit. Some of you are going to break chains right now that you could never break out of before. But first, you need to understand the pain that comes. Please, Spirit of God. Some of you here think that it's not harming anybody for you to back out or to go back to the world or to withdraw. You may even blame leaders. You're going to blame churches. You're going to blame parents. You're going to try to blame everything. The fact is, you cannot get away from you. You are who you are. You can move states. You can move nations. Oh, I'll tell you this. I'm serious. You can become a great religious person, but you cannot get away from the traitor within. You must face him and say, I today choose to burn the ships. I don't have another option. I don't have another plan. I used to have a hard time receiving correction from the leadership. When Pastor Caesar would say things, I remember I would get argumented. It's because I still had another, another shepherd, and it wasn't Pastor Caesar. My other pastor disagreed with him. And so everything our pastor would say that I liked, I would agree with. The rest wouldn't form me. You could never be formed if you still have plan B. Oh, man. You could never be formed if you still have plan B. If you still think someone else can help you, something else can come your way. There's still another option out there. Never. I would not do that with my, my wife. I would never give her my entire life if she had plan B. Why? Why would, I, why would she do that to me? Why would God do that? Of course, he's already done so much. But why would he reveal and show you the pearls of heaven if you're going to trample under your feet? Close your eyes for a second, all of you. If you want to bow, you can bow. If you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to lift up your hands, you may do that. What I love about this church is that we don't have someone telling us, what denomination are you again? We don't have a denomination. Our denomination is to please God. God, what are you pleased by right now? I would say he doesn't want sacrifices. He wants a broken and a contrite heart. He wants us to say, God, you're my only option. You're my only one, Lord. I'm sorry if I've... Oh, man, I'm sorry it's not a strong enough word. I don't have a better word in my dictionary. I don't know about you. But sometimes tears will do. Sometimes tongues is the only way I can express my heart to him. I remember being in a place where I was talking to God. I was in a prayer chapel. And I felt like I was going to die because of my condition. Look, and I'm not an addict. I'm not a murderer. I'm not an unfaithful person. I'm not here doing that. What I am telling you is this. When I'm faced with my self-centeredness, the things that I should be doing for God and I don't, they smack me in the face so hard. Or the things that I, I do for me. And God says, really? Because that belonged to me. It hurts so bad, guys. When you backslide, you're tearing yourself apart every time. When you say yes to sin, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting the heart of God. 
when we say yes to the five minutes of atheism in our lives, when you quiet the voice of the Spirit of God, you're not just doing that. You're telling Satan, you be the Lord for a minute. Let's have relationship, you and I. And God says, literally in his word, you adulterous adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God why don't we pray right now and just say God forgive me Lord change me begin to ask God to forgive you for not going all the way with him look I know that some of you here may not like this because you think that you can still do church but I'm tired of that guys I don't want to do that I don't want to live that way I really don't. I want to see the power of God fully manifested. I'm tired of hearing people pray for me, pastor, but they don't pray for themselves. Did you know that Pharaoh? I'm going to read it to you verbatim, literally what it says in the Bible that Pharaoh told Moses. He literally told him, and this is crazy. I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far. Make supplications for me. Pharaoh said to Moses, would you pray for me? Can you believe that? That people come to church and they say, Pastor, pray for me. But they won't repent. But they won't pray for themselves. You ask someone to help you, but you're not doing the work. It's like telling me, ask your child to donate blood for me. But I'm not going to eat, right? Don't ask me to do things well. No, no, no. Give me your kidney. I'll just drink it away. Listen. Listen right now. God is telling you, it's time for you to repent, to turn. Why don't we do this together, you and I? Why don't we just begin to tell God to forgive our lives, to forgive the way we've been living, to change us, to really help us to, to break out of the bondage of, of the world. To get Egypt out of you. To say, God, I'm sorry if there's a plan B out there. God, I want to live fully for you. Forgive me, God, if I start being stingy with my time towards you. If I sometimes think it's too much. If I get tired of things. If I start complaining instead of blessing and praising. Forgive me, God, if I start desiring the things in Egypt. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. If I said yes to Satan one too many times. If I took his offer instead of yours. The Bible says the enemy has come to rob, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus has come to give you life and life in abundance. That sounds like a good offer to me. If you want to say no to the offers of the enemy, this is a great time. Some of you are thinking, when will this end? I'm hungry already. Yeah, you can go. For the rest of you, simply say to God, forgive me please. Change my heart, God. Change my heart. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. You're going to take this next couple minutes and you're going to just talk to God. Ask Him to help you to not make concessions with the enemy. To stop dealing with a, a terrorist like Satan himself. That you will learn to say violent no's to the enemy. Direct answers that say, no, I will not feel this way about that person. No, I will not sin anymore I will not fall this way I refuse to be unfaithful I will be faithful to my God 
I will love and I will live God, live like God asks me to live. I would invite you right now to simply say to God, God, forgive me for being half-hearted about some things. Forgive me for losing my first love. Forgive me, God, for doing well in the beginning, but start letting up halfway. Jesus, I need you right now. If this is you right now and you need to burn the ships, why don't you tell God you die to everything else? Because that's what I had to do. I had to tell God I really die to everything that is out of, outside of your will. If it's a person, I'll die to that person. If it's a relationship, it's yours. If it's money, God, it's all yours anyway. Take it. God, if it's a preference of some sort, take it. If it's my time, it belongs to you. Nothing's too late for you. And you'll never call me too early. It is your life. It is your time. Would you open your time to God right now? Would you open your finances to God? Would you open your mind, your heart, your reading, your shows? What do you watch? What do you eat? What do you drink? What the music that you listen to? Would you say, God, I don't want to live in Egypt anymore. God, I don't want to think like the world anymore. I want you to govern in my life. I don't want another governor. You are my governor, God. You govern my feelings, God. I don't want to cons I don't want to in give in to my feelings anymore, God. You be the Lord. You be the Lord, God. I say no to Pharaoh in the name of Jesus. I say yes to you, God. I declare right now that you're the Lord of my life. Forgive me, God, if I've been living for myself. Forgive me, God, if I've been unfaithful to you, faithful on weekends and unfaithful on the week. God, forgive me, Lord. I want to live for you. Forgive me, God. This is the time. This is the time. I'm going to ask you guys to raise your voice for just one second and begin to pray with your mouth out loud because your body has been trapped for a long time. Because the enemy says, sure, you can have the whispers, but you cannot have the screams. The enemy has said to you, sure, you can praise God in your heart, but don't you dare do it with your body. Because the enemy has said to you, you can be a Christian on the inside, just don't let it show too much. Oh, you can ask for forgiveness in your heart, just make sure your body doesn't follow. So the enemy has control your body, and so your body urges your spirit. This is a time where your body begins to tell God, forgive me God, I want you more than anything else. I need you Lord, I need you, I need you, I need you God. If you know nothing else, then God will give you tongues. If you don't know what to say, God will put a word in you that may not even make sense. Tonight is the night where you say, God, 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 please close the sea behind me. Close the doors behind me, God. I decide that you're the only one, God. I decide that you're the one for my life. This is the time. Come on. Be not embarrassed. Tell God, God, I need you more than ever. I need you more than ever. God, please, Lord. Someone's about to go to the other side right now. Someone's crossing to the other side. You're crossing to the other side. You're going to the other side. You're going to the other side right now. God is crossing you over to the other side. You're going to the other side. We must go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded. That's what Moses said. Nope, I will not stay here, God. I will not stay here, Pharaoh. I will go. And I will take everything I've got and I will sacrifice to God whatever he wants. It's not what you determine, Pharaoh. It's what God says. And so today we pray a simple prayer. Would you pray with me? Tell him, Jesus Christ, take my life, all of it. It all belongs to you. Dear God, have free access, free access to my time, my strength, my will, my weaknesses. Have free access, God, to free access, God. Have free access, God. All the way, God. All the way. All the way, God. Have free access in my life. I give you my life. 
and I give you my heart. Jesus, I love you. I love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you stand, there's one more guy that did this. His name is Alexander the Great. He burned his boats upon arrival on the shores of Persia. By burning his boats, Alexander committed his men to victory over the Persians, who far outnumbered the Greeks. For too long you felt outnumbered, but you're not. You're not. Let me repeat this to you. What you've been struggling with, you have victory. Let me repeat that. Please get it in your heart. You have victory in Jesus. Today you have victory in Jesus. You have victory in Jesus. You have victory in Jesus. Dear God, I love you so much. Amen. Amen. We'll take it from here. We'll see you guys during the week. I'll see you guys on Sunday. Bye.